Ooh, a spicy question. I <laughs> because love it. Because the writing is sort of everything, right? Like you could can fix plot holes, but if the yeah. writing So some there. readers love that and some readers are like, but I wanted more of this. So it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a gamble. Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. With me on this episode is author, blogger, screenwriter, creative consultant, former journalist, and poet, Ujo Sika. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like one of those sort of crazy people who don't know what they're doing in life. Also, bloggers can write a I guess that is pretty much me. Yeah, you've done so many different things. I would say that you're having kind of read up about you a bit online. It does seem like you have always gravitated towards writing and um, kind of storytelling in in various different mediums, and that has just kind of evolved as, as you've gone on. Yeah, completely. I mean, I've always wanted to write. I was having a chat with my my son is 17. And so he's doing his A-levels and he's really struggling with what to do at uni. And then he was saying to me, you know, it's so much easier for you because you already knew what you wanted to do. And I studied, <laughs> I studied English. But I, was, I wasn't that sure about what I wanted to do at uni, but I did know that I wanted to write. And I knew mm-hmm. that from when I was um, a young child. So yeah. It's always good to kind of know, have a vague direction, at least where where you're headed, especially when you're young. And I remember trying to choose something to do at university and just thinking, well, I don't know what I want to do. I'm only Mm. only 18. Why would I I know what I want to do? (laughs) Yeah, it's just, when you think about it, it's wild. It's like, let me make these decisions that are crucial for the rest of my life when I'm, you know, (laughs) a 17 year old and haven't quite figured out, you know, what I'm doing with my next day. Yeah. Well, let's let's get onto you, and I, I like to often start these with um, the kind of the latest publication. And your mm-hmm. latest thing is uh, the book uh, "Raising Boys Who Do Better: A Hopeful Guide for a New Generation." Um, I'd love it if you could tell us a bit about it. Yeah, so this is um, a work of narrative nonfiction, um, also kind of a guidebook, but not a very prescriptive guidebook around raising boys in this new world where boys have a lot of expectations and um, a lot that they need to hold themselves accountable for. So uh, I wrote this book because obviously I've got I've got two sons, they're teenagers now. I've also got a stepson in his 20s. And yeah, I've been asking myself for, for quite a while, like, have I done enough as a mother to raise the kind of boys who will become the kind of men that I would want them to be and yeah so hopefully it's a useful guide for for parents educators caregivers anyone who's interested in the future of masculinity yeah having you know raised boys of your own does writing something like this down kind of getting a bit academic with it does it kind of make you think oh, I, I I did that. And it's like not something you consciously thought about. You were like, oh, I did that. And that's actually a good thing. Or it's like, oh, I, maybe I should have done that. But I, I wasn't, I didn't know at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was like, I think writing the book, first of all, it's quite a personal book. So mm-hmm. I used a lot of my experiences and stories of my, my sons. I tried not to make it too personal or too <laughs> um, sensitive around them. But yeah, there's a lot of self-examination. And I think that's a really crucial element of this whole thing is like we all need to really look at the way we, we've been raised, um, the ideas that we've kind of held for, well, for centuries around what it is to be a man 
what it is to be a boy, um, how boys are supposed to achieve, behave, you know, dominate, control, all of these kind of weird narratives. Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting for me to kind of look at how I brought up my boys and yeah, there were some moments I thought, yeah, excellent. I've done brilliant. You know, <laughs> high five, did you? <laughs> and then there are other things I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> I should have gone a little bit um, differently then. So, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one for sure. Yeah, a bit of a, a, bit of a journey of self-discovery f- for you in many ways as well. Yeah, 100%. And it's not, um, I wouldn't have said it's like a, a literal sequel, but you're, you you have a, previously have a book called bringing up race is this sort of a continuation on that is that also narrative nonfiction? it is yes and um yeah exactly it's not a sequel but it's definitely a continuation of um something i'm really passionate about which is changing the story for the next generation so you know all of these like I mentioned before, these sort of external and internal narratives mm-hmm. we have around huge ideas and huge concepts such as race or masculinity, you know, thinking about how we can do things a little bit differently and hopefully a lot better. But um, yeah, again, and with a lot of grace as well for, for that journey. Yeah. So this podcast this podcast a lot of the time is weighted towards fiction and and fiction writers. So it's great to have a non-fiction person on. I'm kind of interested to ask, um, when you kind of, when you signed these deals with the publishers, did you have a literary agent before you, you signed these deals? Yeah. Yeah. So I got, um, an agent before, uh, bringing up race. That was my first book. Okay. And yeah, so she's she's um, been my agent through. I've got three books now, and she's yeah, she's still my agent. She's fab. <laughs> and that's Rachel Mills, right? Rachel Mills, yes. So was it a, a, through a submission process? Did you submit to a, a group of agents with this kind of nonfiction pitch, or was it were you approached because of things like your blog and journalism stuff? Yeah, well, actually, my sort of journey to publication is quite a quirky one because I had a relative of mine who had said to me, oh, I need to write a book about uh, race and Mm -hmm. bringing up my boys in this sort of prejudiced world. And I was very, very resistant to that. Like, I did not want to write a book about race. I didn't want to write any kind of book um, around this. So she went ahead and she sent queries to agents. sort of as me saying, oh, oh. <laughs> this is me. I've got this book idea. Would you like to see a proposal? And so several agents got back and go, yeah, we'd be interested to see a proposal. And then she told me, you've got these agents who are interested in seeing a proposal. So then I'm like, hmm, do I want to write a proposal? Do I want to write this book? Can I even write a book on something this huge? I and mean, it was like a real kind of, yeah, I had to overcome a lot of blocks to to decide to sit down. So then when I sat down to write the proposal, I actually discovered I had a ton of stuff to say. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then my agent, she got back to me like literally the next day, um, offering me representation. And then I also had, yeah, I actually had a, a few agents who were interested, um, who I met, but I think Rachel was the one that I just kind of gelled with immediately. Wow, that's um interesting. it's i and i think in some people's minds it's kind of their dream that someone else does all of their uh, submission processes for them (laughs) (laughs) it's 
it's a difficult thing to do but but at the same time it's kind of like you're treading a thin line there. <laughs> yes very very thin impersonating someone else um yeah. mentioned it a little bit earlier but you have been writing in in various different mediums for, for a long time prior to this uh in like journalism um obviously with your your very successful blog babes about town was bringing up race the first sort of full-length book thing that you'd ever kind of tried to do um oh no definitely no it's not oh. the first one that i've tried to do <laughs> i've written uh i mean i wrote like sort of years and years ago I wrote mm-hmm. this um like a novel which I've never really I submitted it a couple of places and actually um because it's a novel set in my mostly in Nigeria and I did have a Nigerian publisher that was interested at the time but then it kind of you know we didn't take it any further and yes yeah, so I hadn't written anything for a while and then in 2018 I did the National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo. Yeah. I don't know if you know that challenge, but um, mm. yeah, the sort of write a novel in 30 days challenge. And uh, I won. I did it. I completed it. So oh, wow. <laughs> I managed to write something like 90,000 words in, in three weeks. So it was insane. Wow. But I always credit that for, for then being able to write um, Bringing Up Race, which had nothing to do with the novel. Mm-hmm. I think by then I had gotten over this sort of hump of can I write a whole book am I capable of you know stringing more than 50,000 words together yeah. um yeah so yeah that's really interesting so you you actually and I'm, I'm guessing when you say novel that was fiction yeah yeah fiction mm-hmm. yeah so you actually sort of do have aspirations to, to to do fiction but you have ended up doing uh non-fiction stuff do you want to do do fiction at some point in the future Definitely, definitely. It's something I do have ideas that I'm playing with. So um, yeah, we'll see. Would you want to do it on like similar themes to what the nonfiction is on? Or would you, would it be sort of completely different stuff? Um, it's a mix. There's some ideas that I have that are similarly around you know the same kind of issues or some of the same concerns. And then some ideas I have are just completely like speculative and wild yeah that's good that's good it's good to have a range I like yeah play. <laughs> but of course we've mentioned you've got you've actually got three published books and we've mentioned the raising boys who do better and bringing up race a world for me and you which is a children's book hmm. would, would would you classify that as fiction or is it again a narrative nonfiction kind of thing? It's it's actually um, it's nonfiction, but I don't know. I mean, people with children's books is an interesting one because yeah. <laughs> there's the nonfiction side, and that can be like a instructional or uh, mm-hmm. a guidebook or you know something like what you know what is a planet? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. Whereas. Um, yeah, a world for me and you is it is nonfiction, but it does have a kind of fictional element to it in terms of, you know, I'm really getting children to kind of imagine what the world might look like if we didn't have diverse diversity, you know, if we didn't have um inclusion. And so yeah, it's it's I guess it sits between fiction and nonfiction. Yeah, it's like uh, fiction or nonfiction. 
It's a new genre, I love it. We sure. just invented a new category. <laughs> fictional yeah, nonfiction. Exactly. I'm gonna sound I'm gonna sound even madder now, like author, blogger, fictional nonfiction writer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fictional nonfiction author. Um you, you mentioned NaNoWriMo. I wanted to ask because am I right in thinking that you're on the NaNoWriMo advisory board? I am, yes. I mean how exciting. What is that? What does that mean? What does that entail? Well, it doesn't, well, it doesn't you know, but I don't have to like go to board meetings or anything like that. But what it, what it is, is that, um, so having one NaNoWriMo, and then I think I had written um, for the blog as well, like after Bringing Up Race came out. And then mm. they approached me and they said, um, would I like to be uh, kind of like a mentor for, they do something in, in April. It's like a mini NaNoWriMo called Camp NaNoWriMo. So right. they asked me to be a counsellor in which I would um, sort of write, basically written, but offer writing advice to all the people who were doing Camp NaNoWriMo. And then I also took part in like a pan, you know, like a workshop kind of thing, which happened online because we were all still in the pandemic at the time. And yeah, having done that, having been a Camp NaNoWriMo counsellor, then they invited me to be on the advisory board. So every now and then I sort of, you know, offer pep talks and that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. It's 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 a sort of volunteer that they can call you up if they if they want like a public speaker or something like that. Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay, and you do quite a lot of public speaking. I do. Yeah, um, a lot of that has come about after bringing up race. So now I do quite a bit of speaking around, um, you know, anti-racist parenting, intersectionality, diversity, inclusion, all of that. Um, And I've also done some speaking now around raising boys, obviously. Mm -hmm. I saw on your website that you are launching something called Uju Writer Space. Yes. Is is this like you've you've gotten really into the mentoring and the kind of teaching and the and the, mm. and the instruction side of things through NaNoWriMo and and doing your public speaking? Is that kind of what this has resulted in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always um wanted to you know, I do I've always mentored other writers in different ways. You know, I used to back when um I lived in the States, I was a mentor with an organization called Girls Right Now, um, mm-hmm. who I who I also did something with um quite recently. Like they have a Friday night salon and they invite writers to to do like a kind of workshop and reading. Um yeah, and I've done um sort of workshops, creative workshops, like with as a blogger you know, things like how to write a blog. Um, yeah, so I, I wanted to start this. And I have a lot of people asking me as well, like asking, you know, how do I how do I write a book or, you know, where do I begin or how do I just write in general? So I thought, okay, I'll create something like a space and the consultancy, make it a little bit more formalized than people just sending me an email <laughs> saying, can I have... <laughs> I have 45 minutes of your time. <laughs> like, um, Just a DM, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so what's going to be, uh, it's it's in progress at the moment. There's like a waiting list you can join through the website. Yes. But what, what's it going to be? What, what are you going to have on the, on the writing space? Um, so the plan is just to have like a, a mix of just co-writing. So I quite like this, you know, get together and write, whether mm. it's online or in person. And then I will also run some, like workshops but not like hardcore workshops where we're 
taking people's work apart bit by bit. They're just kind of like quite gentle but in, instructive workshops on a variety okay. of writing because, um, you know, obviously I've done so many different types of writing. Um, and then also, you know, one-to-one mentoring for, for people who want to go a little bit deeper. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. Mm. Sounds like it's, it's kind of like building a, a community, but a sort of not in the way that you're not sort of pushing everyone to be like, you've got to do these things and publish stuff. It's quite a relaxed kind of like, this is yes. just writing and we'll see where it goes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Amazing. Before we, before we get into to the kind of final bits of the episode, I, I'd love to ask about your own writing. You've written fiction, you've written narrative nonfiction, you've written children's. When you start writing a book, where where do you start? Are you someone that has everything planned out and mapped out, or do you just kind of sit down and start writing something and, and kind of go where the words take you? Um, yeah, I think it really depends. Uh, sometimes, like with the nonfiction books, obviously you have to put together a proposal mm-hmm. before you actually start writing, and that's really really helpful, especially with the topics that I was writing about. I was like. <laughs> I need to have some some kind of outline, some kind of direction. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though obviously you can completely veer off your proposal, but in general, once like you know your agent and your publishers have bought into <laughs> this is what the book is going to look like, then yeah. um, you're pretty much going in that direction. But uh, otherwise, like sometimes, like let's say for with a poem, sometimes it just arrives like fully formed, and sometimes it's just like a line or a couple of sentences or, or a word or something that just sparks an idea and then it continues to build. And I've had poems that I've gone back to like years later and thought, oh, I can actually turn this into a poem now. I knew it was going to be a poem, but it didn't seem to work back then. Yeah, and then in terms of, uh, I mean, obviously I've done screenwriting as well. So with screenwriting, again, you know, I was writing for um, TV shows and again, you have a, you have to sit down, you have to workshop, you have to map out the, the outline of what the, the story is going to look like. You know, so there's a lot of plotting involved. But mm-hmm. I find that even with the plotting, you know, you can give like five different screenwriters the same template and you're going to get a very, very different looking script depending on who's written it. So there's a lot yeah. of... Um, there's a lot of leeway that you have. There's a lot of creativity. So I don't really... You know, when there's always this sort of debate about, you know, are you a plotter or are you a pantser or whatever? And I think that either way allows for a lot of room, a lot of wiggle room and a lot of space for, for creativity. Yeah, 100%. And when it comes to screenwriting, it's, it's, I don't know too much about screenwriting, but is it more of a sort of writing by committee kind of thing? There's usually multiple people involved yeah completely i mean for um so again i've written for tv shows and yeah it would be like uh sitting in the writer's room or doing a workshop together or you know obviously um i was i was writing for shows that were in nigeria so a lot of the time i'm here so doing stuff online and there's a lot of back and forth and it's very very collaborative which i really Mm -hmm. enjoy i really enjoy that mix that mix of like sitting together, plotting out the the various storylines, and then you go off by yourself and you write your script. And and then even after that, there's, you know, there's so much back and forth in the editing process. So yeah, I I really enjoyed it. 
Yeah. Okay. With that kind of experience, when you come to work with a, an editor on a book, you must be very kind of um, relaxed about the kind of critique and editorial part of that, the, the, the notes and the back and forth there. Yes. I mean, <laughs> one thing I will say is that the I'm always saying the publishing world is just so much nicer and calmer <laughs> and <so> sweet. <laughs> like the first notes, she's a, she's a good friend of mine now, but the um, she was head writer on the first show that I, I wrote for. And the first notes that she would send me on my scripts, like I would have to go and like lie down in a darkened room <laughs> and like <laughs> contemplate my life oh, for, no. <laughs> for, for quite a while <laughs> before I could get back to it. Um, so whereas with my publishing, you know, it's been su- they're such kind notes, it's very sort of suggestive, like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. you would like to do this or perhaps, whereas on the screenwriting notes, it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this won't work okay i've heard that's similar to journalism yes it's to do with the turnaround time as well it's the turnaround time like nobody has time for all of that nicety (laughs) yeah you just got to get it done you just got to get get it done you just got to get it out and i think it's really useful because it made me a lot less um precious about my writing Mm -hmm. I think because I started I always say poetry was my first love and you know I used to like write uh, obviously as a teenager in my journals and write poems and you know I was really protective of my work and my poems were like my sacred thing and nobody could touch my work and then you get into journalism and you're like oh okay (laughs) I guess (laughs) I guess you're just gonna rip that to shreds all right that's fine yeah so yeah that's definitely a trend I've had with the journalists who have who have also become authors that I've spoken to on this podcast is mm. they're all very thick skinned because they're like, Oh yeah, editorial and publishing is is so charming and friendly compared to editorial and journalism. Yeah, completely. And then I've you know, I've done editing work myself and I have to hold myself back depending on who it mm-hmm. is. Like if it's someone yeah. who has worked in journalism or screenwriting, then it's fine. But if they haven't, they're just like what have you done? <laughs> you have to be very careful. I guess it's a really unsung skill of editors uh, within the kind of publishing that they, the the kind of reading the people and knowing how far or, or how kind of gentle they, they, they have to be with the kind of way they phrase stuff because you, you want to get the best out of the author. So that's, I guess it's a really, it's a really important skill to have. Oh, it's very important, and not everyone has it. But I'm really grateful for the <laughs> I'm really grateful for the editors that I've worked with that, that have that skill. Yeah, yeah. Well, that brings us on to the uh, what is always the final question uh, of of the episode, uh, which is, Uju, if you were stranded on a desert island with a single book, which book would you want it to be? Uh, yeah, such a tough question. <laughs> like, I hate this question. <laughs> I'm like, oh. um, I think I'm going to have to choose Beloved by Toni Morrison, okay. which is a book that I haven't actually read in, in years, but it's still one of my favorite books. I loved it so mm-hmm. much that I wrote my um, dissertation on it uh, oh, when, wow. I, when I studied at uni. And again, it's not even, I'm not even sure it's my favorite book of Toni Morrison's. So that's why I was struggling. I was thinking, oh, (laughs) (laughs) what what book would I have? But I think that's, um, I just think that's her masterpiece. Also, I think that it's a book that, you know, when I read it, it 
not only did it move me so much emotionally, but the way she uses language and, you know, the way she portrays, like, her characters, it was just mind-blowing. And I think that that book will always have the capacity to surprise me and enchant me and, yeah, keep me gripped when I'm on that desert island with nobody else. (laughs) Amazing. I tell you what, in my experience at least, if you have managed to still love and like enjoy a book after studying it in an academic way, like having you've written a dissertation on this book, then that must be, you know, that book must have a real kind of hold over you, like a real kind of a, a real special place in your heart. Yeah, completely. Every book I ever studied, I think I ended up hating. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, who knows, who knows? There's, and then there's some books where I read when I was, I, I was at school with people who in different classes had studied different books or in different years. And I remember knowing that they were studying that book and then having read one of them was a picture, the picture of Dorian Gray. And I only mm. read it when I was in my twenties. Mm. And I, I, I'm so glad that I didn't study that book because I thought it was amazing. I thought it was brilliant when I, when I read it later on. Yeah, yeah. You're so right, you know, about all the books that, I mean, for me, I think it was Great Expectations, Mm. which I reread, you know, having studied it, I studied it at school and I just thought, what is is this? (laughs) (laughs) What is is my life? (laughs) Why why are we we having to do this? Um, And then reading it again, I was like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> this, is, this is a good book now yeah. I get it yeah, yeah. so it's, I don't know why why is it that school just ruins so many books for you I, I, I guess it's it's like the pressure and the way it's done and like yeah hyper analyzing everything it's like okay we read this chapter now we have to hyper analyze it and I'm like but, but we're ruining the flow of the story, the flow like, of the story. now I don't even yeah. want to get onto the next chapter because I'm so <laughs> yeah. done with this chapter <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> It's all of it. It's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, thank you so much, Uju, for coming on the podcast and telling us all about your your books and everything you're working on and all the writing stuff and the, the, the writer space. It sounds like it's going to be a really cool uh, community that you're going to build there. It's been awesome chatting with you. And you. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And for anyone wanting to keep up with what Uju is doing, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at babesabouttown. You can find her blog uh, at www.babesabouttown.com or you can follow her writing and and author stuff on ujuaseeker.com. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow along on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. You can support the show on Patreon and for more bookish chat, check out my other podcast, The Chosen Ones and Other Tropes. Thanks again to Uju and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you.